You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're the show where we try to help you as a business owner or business leader figure out other ways to do things with a little more simplicity and elegance in the simplicity. Today, we are going to talk about process, and it's a, it's a hot topic in, in many circles. Uh, people can get overwhelmed with process. Maybe they don't even know what their process is. I see that a lot in the small business realm in particular. But uh, my guest today is uh, uh, someone who has done a lot of work in that area, has a special passion for it. His name is Sam Drawshack. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Tell us a little bit about your journey to develop the uh, the ideas and the views that you've got, and then we'll get into the details of what the solution really looks like and how you uh, go about it. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my background in brief and what brought me here was I originally studied science, thinking I was going to be a doctor back at university. And then at the last minute, I said that wasn't the right route for me. So I found myself in all sorts of jobs at first, but I, I ultimately landed in water and wastewater treatment. And I was out there in the field, optimizing chemical systems, doing process engineering. And that was when I was really first introduced to this idea of process engineering as a discipline, as a job. And from there, my whole career was just spent studying different forms of process engineering in various contexts. And I will say what really brought this passion, what brought me to where I was today is we're really in a, in a unique time in history where everything's going digital. So process improvement has traditionally been in manufacturing settings where you can study lean, you can study Six Sigma, and the history there is quite robust. But no one had done anything in terms of moving to digital services, moving to the SaaS world that we're starting to evolve into. So my career has been in this blue space, blue ocean space, where I'm trying to bring process science into a digital context. And that's where I'll pause there, but that's where I've spent most of my time and, and how that happened. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, and and uh, what comes to my mind in what you're describing there is when you think about engineering or manufacturing or uh, what I'll call, you know, hard, tangible goods, process has been with us for a long time. I mean, you know, Henry Ford uh, created, uh, you know, automated assembly, and that was a process. It, you know, start with this piece, bolt on that piece, add another piece, and take it on down the line, step by step, process by process. But when, when I shift gears and think about small business operation in particular, which is a lot of my sweet spot, the average entrepreneur doesn't design a process when they get started doing their business, whatever their idea may be. And they they just get busy doing the thing they want to do or creating the thing they want to do. And, and yes, perhaps if it's a tangible good, like a particular widget, there is a process to assemble it because it's quasi or is direct manufacturing. But for a lot of other service-oriented businesses, um, I think, for instance, of the home service space, 
electricians, plumbers, HVAC guys, roofers, they don't really usually show up with a process specific to how they take an order, how they schedule a service call, how the service tech goes about the work, etc. cetera. It, it, it's kind of this fuzzy cloud and it's just like, well, go do the job and come back and tell me how it went, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And what you described is exactly right. And this is where and how a lot of companies, though, who have this ambiguous ad hoc, just go get it done, however you get it done kind of mentality, they're struggling and they're getting out competed by people who are leveraging technology. They're leveraging more standard processes. They're they're able to do that because they have a good process sense. You can't utilize all the automation and all the technology that's available to make your work easier and more productive if you don't have a good sense of how do I want this service to be delivered? How do I want this experience to be created for customers, even in a non-tangible space? And I think that's this whole idea of how do you analyze and create processes in a non-tactile sense? How do we see everything as a process? And that's really where I've spent a lot of my time bringing that manufacturing knowledge into these spaces where there's nothing to see. There's nothing to do except people interacting, services being rendered, experiences being created. But the logic and the principles of creating a good process, creating a scalable process, they still apply. And that's where a lot of people need help because, like you said, they're out there just doing what they've always done. But now it's it's a grind and people are doing it faster and more efficiently and using technology. And it's something that we all want. But a lot of people don't have the skills or the knowledge necessarily how to do that effectively. Yeah. <clears throat> When I was uh, prepping for the show here, I, I went and visited your website for the platform that you're now offering. And um, we'll, we'll, again, we'll get into more of those details in just a minute. But one of the things that really grabbed my eye, you, you've got a graphic on there of the classic whiteboard grease pen diagram of somebody trying to map out their process and absent nothing um that's a good start right you you say well what are, all right guys you I, and i've done hundreds of these facilitated workshops maybe thousands i don't know in my consulting days <clears throat> you get the team in the in the meeting room there and you take the whiteboard it's, it's all blank and you say all right guys what do we really do where, where does this thing start somebody draws a box and says like uh, get a phone call okay good we got a phone call what do we do with it who who touches it etc and you start doing this funky box diagram next thing you know you got arrows and lines and bars and and uh, it, uh, it, it's just a real collage of things and for many years that's the way we start building process and then we Typically, in, in what I tried to add value as a consultant with businesses needing to do that, I would take that glom of stuff and then we would look at it and say, well, how many of these touch points are redundant? How many are these duplicated? Uh, how many times does this one piece of information have to get shared with various people? Why don't we have a system to log that? You know, and, and you start discovering the opportunities you've got to streamline and make it more efficient and make it more functional. And I really am big. You said it scalable. That's the real key. If you're going to grow a business, your process has to be repeatable and scalable. So 
my my big question in everything I just described, what's wrong with that as a solution? So nothing is wrong with that. That's the the nature of of everything. Like you just said, writing it down, starting with the whiteboard, starting with capturing your as is process, it is the secret. It and it's not a very well guarded secret, but it's one that everyone tries to skip over, especially now in businesses where you don't have something to look at. So again, I'll bring us back to the factory floor. When you when you have a factory floor, you can walk in and you can engage your senses to look and see if things are breaking down, oil on the floor, machines aren't working correctly. As humans, we can engage our common senses. If you're in a service industry, if you're in a digital industry, if you're in generally a non-tactile business, which a lot of us are moving into, what are you looking at? to engage your common sense, to be able to make those judgment calls on, is this a good process? Is this a bad process? Is this process working? Is this process failing? And the answer is what you just described. You have to write it down to make it real. You cannot look at it. You cannot engage with it if you don't start with that step. And so many people, they want to get in a room and start problem solving and start solutioning immediately. But if everyone did what you just described and got a whiteboard out, got a pen and paper out, or just had five or 10 people in a room and actually confirm the common ground. This is what the process is. This is who's involved. This is the sequence. These are the resources we use. This is the data we use. You would be in a much better place. Everyone only has to start there. And that's one of my biggest things that I evangelize, which is no matter how you do it, write down your processes. Even if you're a solopreneur, you have to write it down to make it real. Because if the process is just living in your head, it's probably a lot more complex than you think. The mind can definitely play tricks on us when in terms of, oh, I know the process. But when you try to describe it to somebody else or write it down the first time, then you'll really see if you know the process and how well you know the process. So I always say start there. There's no question. Well, in, in your point there, you touch on something that I think is a plague among entrepreneurs. They, they do. They, they get ideas in their head and they even develop a process that, you know, I'll put it in air quotes, works for them. But then when you want to scale your business, what do you have to do? You have to bring people on a team. You have to teach them how to do that process. And to your point, inevitably, there are a whole lot more steps in the process than the entrepreneur might have anticipated because some of it, some of those steps are just intuitive to them. And it's kind of like skipping from A to G in the alphabet, and you think you've recited the full alphabet. No, you didn't. You left out some letters. And if you want to teach people how to do the alphabet, you got to hit all 26 of them to, to get there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and a lot of people, they want to skip to the fun stuff, which is let's redesign. Let's bring in this new technology. Let's bring in new staff. You cannot iterate forward if you don't know where you are. And more people don't know where they are than they think. And the quickest way to see if you know where you are is just writing it down, getting it down into process documentation. And that's where you said whiteboard is fine. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but you'll see how difficult or intuitive it is for you when you start, but you've got to start. I was introduced to the whole concept of process improvement many, many decades ago. I was working with a large regional bank and we committed, the senior management of our bank had been introduced to it, and we brought in an outside consultant, actually hired her permanently in the bank to drive this initiative. And we set up a very comprehensive top to bottom, end to end of the entire bank. And, and we were no small bank. We were about $27 billion bank at the time. So 
uh, I don't know, three and a half, four thousand employees or something like that. And um, <clears throat> we went through this journey of whiteboarding everything. And, and one of the rules of the road was there are no sacred cows. You know, if, if, we said to managers, if you've created a little process and you consider it your baby, it's on the chopping block. You know, it, it, if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't add value, it's probably gone. And that was the that was the goal and objective was to milk inefficient and extra costly processes out of our organization. And and uh, we accumulated change management that accounted for $52 million of bottom line results in one year. And it, organizations have a way of bloating if you're not careful about people, process, resources, etc. You think you're doing the right thing, but over time there's a cumulative effect that you lose track of. Yeah, for sure. And one of the most fascinating things about process improvement, to your point, and you know, even in the millions that you just quoted, it could probably go even three, four, five times that with process improvement. Because in reality, the bloat that you're talking about is so extreme in organizations. There's been study after study that have confirmed, and I, I validated this in my own work in the field, there's usually only about 5% of any given corporate process that's value producing. The other 95% is waste in some form or another. And that's either wow. because complexity grows over time naturally in businesses. Some of it you can't avoid. It's just the nature of doing business. There's some waste involved. But if you become a process improvement person or even somebody who's focused on this idea that most processes can be improved, it's not trying to squeeze blood out of a stone. I mean, it's it's ever, it's like, you know, throwing darts at a, at a huge board, right? I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And you, as long as you start focusing on your processes and looking at them and having that mindset, you could iterate and improve and improve your bottom line, productivity, reduce your costs, whatever your targets are. Process improvement is a huge field to just harvest value for businesses. Now, let's turn the page here and, and, and go on in. So through your effort and work, and I, I'm assuming you know with others, you've developed a, a slightly new twist in being able to equip business owners, business leaders with tools to to refine these processes, track them, document them and, and get them going. So tell, tell us that story. Yeah, for sure. So in my entire career, which most of it to this point has been consulting. So just to give people context, I've just gotten into the software business, you know, maybe two years ago, trying to scale this knowledge that's been helping so many of my clients. And the biggest problem with process work is this piece we've touched on, which is good process documentation, or even at its essence, just process data. What is the data that describes your process accurately? And if you hire consultants or you have your people do it internally or you're doing it yourself, if I had 50 people draw a process map or a process diagram that tried to describe a process, the same subject, I'd get 50 different maps. And you have to pause and think, why is that the case? Well, we don't have a standard process language. We don't have a standard conventions to how we document processes that are comparable across businesses. And everyone can have a different perspective because process data is a data set that describes operating reality. And you can describe it infinitely. If I said, go tell me what these people are doing in, in, a, in a single day of work, you could write down a million different things. How do people know where to start? What is the effective perspective? 
So one of the biggest challenges in this industry was creating a perspective that could be consistently applied and used. And that was what we call a mapping language. So if you're following the narrative, what I've really tried to bring to this space is if you're going to have a scientific foundation, you have to have standard data and a standard language to talk about process. So instead of giving you a blank whiteboard and saying, write this down, because that's what a lot of people have to do today. Or even if you take the tools on the market, it's here's a million shapes, create your own language. That's what stops people. That's what intimidates people. What we've done at my company, Truble, we have a language we've tested in the field for the last decade. And what we're saying is we're loading the tool with that language. So when you get into the tool to start drawing process, you're going to be mostly constricted to a certain perspective to capture the data and to talk about process in a particular way. And that way, you don't have to create a language every time you get into a blank document or a blank whiteboard. And also the hope is your data can be comparable to other people's data. So we can start having a, a true database and conversation about what is process data in this context versus this context and how do we start sharing learnings? Because the data is not available. So I'll pause there. I know I'm touching on a lot of different concepts there, but the biggest thing is there is no common process language. And we're really trying to bring that to market through our software solution so that people can have an easier learning curve and they can feel confident that what they're mapping is going to give them the right perspective in terms of process analysis. Yeah, <clears throat> you're right. You packed a lot in there. And uh, let me start with back at the front end of that. Your, your point, if you had 50 different consultants try to map the same process, you're probably going to get 50 different iterations or versions of what the picture looks like because there is that immediate translation in in mental perspective of what they just heard and on one hand that's the magic of a, having a good outside set of eyes come into your business and ask the questions you know what do you call this what's step 1 what's step 2 what's step 3 etc and and then be willing to challenge it and, and say, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Why, why does it go from there to there? How does that happen? And, and then people start to reveal those steps in their mind that they forgot to tell you about. That, oh, yeah, well, I, I've really got to turn that thing on before I can go there. Oh, so you got to flip a switch. All right, well, that's, that's important. We got to know that. And I like your idea of sort of standardizing the language around it because as you do move from opportunity to opportunity, the, the vocabulary quickly gets centered on the nature of the business, not the development of the process, if that makes sense. It, it gets really bogged down and I've... Um, I, for instance, at the bigger corporate level, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of work with some of the big oil and gas companies. And boy, talk about encumbered language around process. I mean, wow. They, well, and on one hand, you drive by a refinery and you see this behemoth rising up out of the ground and, and you look at all the pipes and the wires and the, you know, smokestacks and everything and you realize, wow, that is a process. That's a massive, massive process. And it's real easy to get lost in the technically correct jargon of what happens between step one, step two, step three, etc. So, having that idea of, of a common process or common language, I should say, really does make some good sense. But 
if we take that to the more uh, privately held company, the entrepreneurial world, how, how does the, the how do those ideas apply for those guys? And I guess I'll go back to be specific. I'll go back to my home service vendors. What what can they do with this common language to to try to figure out efficient process? Yeah, for sure. So when we talk about a common language. You mentioned it, let's say in the big companies, if you had an engineer write a process, they're going to write a totally different process than if you ask the marketing person to write the same process because they're speaking different languages and different data is relevant to them. So what we've tried to do is basically provide a perspective that says the common language is truly just a human language so that no matter who's writing it, if you have a certain type of information you're capturing at a certain detail level, anyone else should be able to read it. So even for entrepreneurs, the biggest thing is people sometimes listen to me talk and they say, oh, writing down processes could really give me great insight. Let me just start writing them down. And that's easy enough. But the first time they try to share that document with somebody and the other person can't understand it, it's very demoralizing because then they've wasted all this time trying to codify their knowledge or document it. But if another person can't read it because the conventions don't make sense to them, the colors don't make sense, there's no key, they have a certain way of speaking or writing the data down, it just goes in the trash because the only person that got any utility was maybe the first person that wrote it. So we're really talking about something more fundamental than, oh, does this have a technical slant or is this full of jargon? But really, how do you structure a good process diagram so that once you write it down, you can give it to your secretary, you can give it to your vendor, you can give it to people outside the company, no matter who picks it up, they should be able to read it fairly intuitive because it's like reading a book and it really focuses on a human language that's universal and we all understand. And, and for those of you who haven't really done much process work, this may not be very intuitive, but but I will tell you, the last thing you want to do is spend time working on a document, sometimes hours to get a good process document together, and then no one be able to use it. So that's what we're really talking about, which is enabling a language that you feel confident that when you spend the time investing in it, other people can actually derive value from the exercise. And, and that's really what I'm referring to. Can, can you give us some examples of, of how that plays out and what that is exactly? Yeah, for sure. So I'm happy to share the whole language. It's actually very simple principally. It really focuses on this 5W concept that you might have learned in elementary school, you know, that kind of defines what is good journalism. Because when we talk about journalism, we're talking about what is good storytelling. If I'm going to be a journalist, they have the same problem. They have to be able to write down a story that... It orients people and makes them able to read it and understand it interested. And the way they do that is this 5W strategy, which is the where, the when, the what, and the who, and the why. Making sure that whatever you're describing, the story of it has those elements in it so that we can be oriented in physical time and space where all humans can understand. So when we talk about how does that translate to a process language, it means every step of your process needs to have the same data which is where did it occur in physical space? Was it done in a system? Was it done in a warehouse? Who was involved? What is the role? What is the actual action? Why is this action done at this time? And when is it done in linear time? So if you think about making sure that your process language incorporates that data in a disciplined manner, it will be the same as writing a good story. People can pick it up and read it and they can understand it using their intuitive senses. And I think the, the discipline there is what people struggle with when they try to just intuit, how do I make my own documentation? And then people can read it because if you're missing any one of those elements. It's like reading a story where you don't know where it's happening or you don't know when it's happening or who's involved. You just get immediately untethered and you can't figure out what's happening. 
So if you bring that same mentality to your process mapping, your documentation will stand on its own. And that's really the strength of, of, a, of a common language that, that how I'm describing it. I'm, I'm chuckling here. I'm thinking about some shows my wife and I have watched recently where the, um, the script writer really was intrigued by by flipping back and forth in time with events and and preceding events and setups or future views of how things end up and then, then you come back to explain how they got there and if if they don't do a good job of articulating those transitions and sometimes it's as simple as 24 hours earlier, you know, you got a little caption on the screen to help you contextualize that. If they just flipped without that, you would be watching and you'd go, wait a minute, what, where, how, you know, what, what happened there? How did they get there? And what, uh, we haven't seen that yet. What's going on? And it is disorienting if you don't have that context. So I like that element. And again, I'm flipping through my own tour down memory lane of facilitating workshops on these things. That is where a lot of people get hung up. You draw a box and you say, all right, here's some step that seems to be a real integral part. But if you don't define those five W's, there are, there's palpable gaps in the, in the idea. It's like, wait a minute, when, when am I supposed to do that? How am yeah. I supposed to do that? Why am I doing that? And and the one thing I'll cut in is when you even have one box, as you described, where some of those elements are missing, then the entire process program has this risk of becoming untethered from anything real. Because if you aren't oriented, the next step can be not oriented. And then it can kind of just go in random directions. I spend my entire career a lot of times reading other people's process documentation and you see it's it's systemic, right? People who say, here's the step here, but they don't tell you who does it or how it's done with what tools or when in linear time it's done. And then from there, it can just go all over the place. And that's why a lot of this documentation just doesn't serve any effect. And people are trying, they know there's this need and they struggle to make it to describe things to those parties who need to know. But if you're just missing some very similar things, it'd be like reading, watching a movie, like you said, where there's no timing indicated. It's like reading a book where there's no characters named. It's just, it's very difficult. And I think it's a frontier where people need to learn the basics of how to actually document process data correctly so we can better communicate with each other because it's becoming so critical now that everything is digitized. I mean, you can't see it anymore. So it's harder to use your intuition. Yeah. I had a chance a couple of years ago to do some work with a, a software development company and I know I drove the guys nuts because I was I was really trying to encourage them to think about process. You know, even even starting with the idea, okay, you get a new engagement, you find a new customer, which was no easy task, by the way, but you find one, you know, how do you capture the the front end load for what do they want to accomplish with this software they've commissioned you to develop? You know, how, how do you get the business requirements lined up and documented? And how do you begin shaping the data structure that you want to use? And, you know, some things are intuitive, like, like, let's say a customer record. All right, what do you have in your average customer record? You know, name, address, phone number, maybe some social or whatever. But, um, 
can you just assume that? No, you need to get the the exact need and requirement down. And and uh, these poor guys just uh, in at the end of the day, they just totally pushed back on all of that and said, you know, we we just like to sling code. You know, that's that's kind of our thing. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> you're you're expecting your customers to open a blank checkbook to pay you for this development without any measurable, tangible deliverables along the way, and. That doesn't seem to have a, a, a market viability. I mean, how in the world can you justify that? And the end answer was they couldn't, you know. Yeah. It's not as acceptable anymore as it was 10, 20 years ago. You know, people are now experiencing good process every day. They know it intuitively. They know what a smooth process looks like, where they're brought through a journey, everything's structured, it's consistent, the experience has high quality and reliable outcomes. And when you don't have that anymore, if you just expect to show up and just make it up on the spot, customers bristle. They know it's not acceptable anymore because the people are evolving in this space. And if you don't come with it, that's where we started the episode saying, if you want to be pushed out and not be competitive, try to make up your process every time you have an interaction with somebody. Because right. you just can't afford it. It's just no one can afford that when there's people out there really engineering continuous improvement on their processes. Right, right. Well, how is is your development? You you mentioned you've kind of migrated your business into your own level of software development. How, how is that showing up in the market now? So we're pre-launch. So you're catching us. We're just about to launch our first true software product because we're transitioning all of our consulting knowledge into software products so that people can do their own consulting. Our, our whole concept is don't hire an expensive consultant when you can be your own consultant if you have the right tools and you have the right knowledge. So, so we're right at the cusp. I'm hoping right at the beginning of the year, our first process mapping product will be released. And that's really just going to include everything we've talked about on the show. It's not going to be a blank page whiteboard where you have to make it up. It's going to be a very structured way to diagram process where you have people that like the system walks you through it and also helps you with creating finished documentation. So a lot of times today, people are struggling with the messy whiteboard issue, which is if you're writing down the data, somebody then has to spend hours organizing boxes, getting them in alignment, putting in swim lanes, and that stuff really turns people off. So we're trying to build a system that takes care of all that, all, that tedious formatting for you. So that's our first product, but generally we believe it's the foundation of this automation of consulting that I that I believe that small and medium businesses particularly desperately need because we can't all afford to hire consultants to do this process work, especially as it becomes in higher demand. So when you think about the first step of building an automated consultant, getting good process data is the foundation. And from there, if you can put into a tool the process data that accurately describes your business, your supply chain, your market proposition, then it's just a matter of time before we we have big plans to build out that roadmap so you can get all sorts of insight from that data. You can do process improvement yourself, process design. It will help you work through these issues. And that's and that's where we're at in sort of the beginning of this roadmap. Yeah. So so one thought that comes to mind, Sam, is that uh, I know we're we've generally been focused on the idea of uh, what I'll call larger processes or, that are at the core of a business. But there's another angle that I want to share and, and get my entrepreneur friends to think about. And that is that if if you look at your work in your business and you realize you're repeating yourself either daily or weekly or even monthly 
you're having to do something over and over and over again, guess what, guys? That's a process. And if you can document what those steps are, you likely can either delegate it or automate it and literally take it off of your shoulders, have some other solution performing that task and performing it reliably the way you want to do it. And again, I'll put air quotes on that one. And and allow yourself the freedom to rise up above that repeatable tasking and focus your time and energy on other things for the good of the business. Yeah, I mean, you said it exactly right. I mean, this process stuff we're talking about in this episode, it's actually even more critical for smaller companies and entrepreneurs. So when you talk about the problems you get at scale, you won't reach scale unless you do what, what Doug just described, which is you've got to be able to have a command of your own processes and know when it's time to delegate, which is delegation is nothing more than automation. So everyone talks about automation, it's the buzzword, but if you're gonna automate, you have to be able to delegate. And to be able to delegate something, you have to be able to understand the process that you're moving. And you have to do that through process documentation, process analysis, process design. There's no way around it. If you don't have a mastery or at least a basic muscle around the skill set, you're gonna very much struggle to grow your business. Yeah. And again, I, I really wanna put a bright, hot spotlight on that. I think for most of you entrepreneurs out there, that is one of the biggest challenges. You take on burdens of keeping the company running, but you inevitably find yourself creating, either consciously or subconsciously, you create a process that is somewhat streamlined, you've figured out the the hard way to do it. Now you found an easier way to do it, but nonetheless, you're still doing it. And that's the thing you've got to get off of your shoulders and into either, again, a, a truly automated system as in software, platform, something, or get it get it handed off to someone else on your team that would be capable of doing those steps. But you're right to to be able to train them on how to do that. Uh, you, I, I know that mentally, psychologically, even emotionally, for many entrepreneurs, that's hard to do. I I can think of a case. I won't name names, but uh, one gentleman who was a part in a partnership insisted on controlling one big chunk of the business. But as the business grew, the volume of activity in that segment overwhelmed him. He only had so many hours in the day. There were only so many transactions he could touch. And the business was demanding 2x, 3x the number of those transactions, and it had to be scaled. And he went kicking and screaming into the night of, of being willing to give that up to other people. And when when we finally really peeled the onion and got to the core of the the challenge there, he just hated the idea of training people. The, the concept of sitting down and teaching someone was just pretty much foreign to him. And that was the ultimate bottleneck. And we convinced him that you don't have to be the trainer, just just help write the process first. 
and we can get somebody else to train it. <laughs> you know, we, that's that, that's ultimately easy. So you don't have to be the trainer, but you know, you you do have to be the author of the process if 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 that's what you value, and that's okay. That part's okay. Yeah, I mean, it just points again to you can only share processes that you can write down or explain or communicate to other people. There's no other way to do it. So unless everything you want to do in your life, you want yourself to be the only one who knows it or the only one to do it, you've got to be able to communicate your process one way or another. Right. I'll tell you what, Sam, this has been great. I, I really appreciate you sitting in and sharing with us. Tell folks the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more. Absolutely. So right now you can find me at uh, on LinkedIn. I'm just Sam Drawshack. Also, I'd love to hear from you directly. If you want to email me, I'm at sam at truval.com, T-R-U-V-L-E. You can also head over to truval.com and sign up to just get information about our process mapping tool that's coming out in the next few months. And if you want to be included in our early tribe, we're right at the beginning of, of launching the company, essentially. So we'd love to have your support and also just have you involved. That's great. Well, again, one last time, thanks for sitting in. Really appreciate your um, insights and inspirations in this in this thing. So, folks, we're going to uh, wrap this up. Thank you for sitting in with us and taking a little bit of time out of your day. We know it's valuable, and we do respect and appreciate your uh, following this show. I always like to remind people we've got a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, uh, give us a, a comment or information. If you've got an idea for a new show, let me know. Always looking for great guests like Sam here. But um, with that, we're going to say goodbye, sign off, go out there and make it a great day. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.